Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see you today. My name is Steve, for anyone who I've not met before, and uh, wonderful to have people joining us online as well. Um, I just want to share a quick praise report, if that's okay. Uh, my praise report today is for the lovely and wonderful team at The Witness Tip, because I am also a Warrentonian, and uh, it was a 90-minute wait to get to empty our bins on Friday, and I thought, I'm not having that, so I came to Witness, so... Uh, Praise God for the, the team, the wonderful team at Witness. Um, just before, anybody else just want to praise God for, yeah, being men like me and die? Um, where are we going? So before uh, my praise report there, we were just uh, asking the question in the room and online, what role did you play in the school nativity? So let's hear it. Angel. Angel. Who's, I can't. Sheep. Angel sheep. Mary. Mary fantastic. One of the wise men. Any, any more for any more? A dove. Ah, oh, lovely. I've, I don't think anybody else played a dove before in the school play. No. I heard somebody at the back say donkey before, and uh, it was well suited, I thought, actually, Ian. No, no. Well, uh, if, if you don't mind, I just want to take you uh, back in time with me to what was Christmas 1992, where in an old scout's hut in Hereford, which is where I grew up, the Rainbow Nursery Christmas play, Nativity, was being held. And uh, it was a significant day in my life because it would be the day that my acting career both peaked and troughed on the same day. Um, if we're honest, um, the starring roles in the, the, the Nativity play like, what is the starring role to have? It's Mary and Joseph, right? I mean, Dove is lovely, um, Jan, don't get me wrong. But, like, it's Mary and Joseph, isn't it? And uh, I got the leading role of Joseph in the Rainbow Playgroup Christmas Nativity. And if you look at the screens now, you'll see me. Here I am. And uh, there I am alongside Mary, who, if my memory serves me right, was a girl called Lauren. Whatever happened to Lauren, I don't know. But uh, this would be the peak of my acting career. And, of course, I brought the house down. Like, it was a wonderful performance. There was a write-up about it in the local newspaper, about how good Joseph was. I mean, Jesus really is the star of the nativity. But, you know, I outshone Jesus in that moment. Um, but uh, what a performance it was, an Oscar-worthy performance. Now, obviously, the, the world of acting is, is fiercely competitive, and you can imagine the audition process that I had to go through. It also helped that my mum and my auntie Janice ran the playgroup. So <laughs> there we go. I think they call that nepotism, but there we go. Um, so I got the leading role of Joseph. But as I said, peaks and troughs, because that was very much the, the highlight of my acting career, and everything went downhill from there. Um, here is another photo of me playing a shepherd. There he is. <laughs> With my sheep. And then, really, the pinnacle of my acting career is on this next photo. If we have a look at the next one. Wise man number four. Can you see me there? Just on the left. Wise man number four. Now, some of you are thinking, but there's only three wise men. Well, yeah, exactly. And I was wise man number four. But as I was looking for these photos, um, I thought my, my kind of acting career, like I said, went downhill after that Joseph performance. But 
I found this photo and I know if this one, if we have a look, it turns out I was back again as Joseph <laughs> in the Sunday school play, which again, my mum and my auntie Janice were in charge of. So there we go. Um, but as I kind of reflect on my, because it was all downhill really after these early performances, we can take that picture off now because don't want you to be too distracted. But as I kind of reflect on my acting career that, as I said, kind of went downhill really from that point, I wondered whether that's kind of a bit of a metaphor um, which reflects life in general at times. The hopes and dreams and the promises of youth that I once had of becoming this, you know, kind of Oscar-winning actor, um, but actually, life didn't really work out the way I thought it would. And I wonder whether that has... By the way, life's turned out good. I don't want to sound too kind of depressing at this point, but um, I wonder whether maybe there's something in you and you're here today, and actually there's a, a part of you where you would say, yeah, you know what, life hasn't really mapped out the way that I thought it would. Perhaps you had the dream job in mind or the dream spouse or the dream number of children that would come at just the right time when you thought that would happen in your life or the dream house or the dream whatever. You fill in the, the blank there. But you're at a stage in your life where the reality has actually been nothing seems to have happened on time. But there's been some failures in life, perhaps. Maybe you're in a place today where there's been some regrets in life. There's been lots of change that you didn't see coming. And the truth is, life just didn't uh, work out and pan out the way that you hoped it would. And so this morning, we're going to focus not on my glittering acting career, but the one who inspired my acting career, which was Joseph in The Christmas Story. Um, Obviously, Di started the service off today by asking who's kind of okay with the Christmas decks and everything, and a bit of a mixed reaction. My outdoor lights have been up for one week now. I'm very proud of that, and um, you can judge me for that. That's okay, but I'm okay with it. Um, but like, as we kind of, here we are today, and we are actually a week earlier than the, the, the calendar when it comes to Advent, but what we realize is that last year we started a week later, so we thought, let's balance it out by starting a week earlier. So we're going to do two weeks just together looking at the Advent story. And uh, today our inspiration, like I said, is Joseph. Because I think when we look at the, the life and the person of Joseph, we're going to see something about how to live our lives when life doesn't pan out the way that we thought it would. And so let's look together. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read it for us and it will come up on the screen. And we're just going to pause at different points together and see what um, we can learn from the life, of, the life of Joseph. It says this. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
So we'll pause there for a moment because we've learned quite a bit already about Joseph. Firstly, we're told from what we've just read there that he was engaged. Now, that word engaged doesn't really translate very well for us today because maybe if you're looking in your own Bible, you might see another word, which is betrothed. And betrothed really is a bit more formal than engaged. And actually, to be betrothed meant that this was a planned marriage. This had been planned most likely by their parents that they would get married. They'd have likely known for some time that they would be getting married. And actually, the only way that a a betrothal could be kind of called off and ended was to have a divorce. And so it's a bit more here than just an engagement, um, as it kind of said in what we just read there. That's a bit more about the culture of their day. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment, okay? We're all Joseph now. Just imagine hearing from Mary what she's just said, that like, I'm going to have a baby, And it's not from you, it's from the Holy Spirit. I'd be a bit weirded out by that in that moment. It's okay. Sometimes we can read the Bible and we kind of try and make ourselves the hero in the story. And we think, well, now I'd have accepted Mary at her word. And I'd have said, absolutely, Mary, it will be what will be. And uh, all of that. But I think if I was Joseph, I'd have probably reacted the same way. I actually think I might, well, we don't really see Joseph's kind of what he said, but I can imagine it was interesting in that moment. I wonder, did he believe her? We don't know. But what we know is that what Joseph's reaction was, was it was enough to call off this relationship. He wanted to divorce this betrothal, to end this betrothal. And I think it's quite understandable, given the news that he's just heard. But actually, I think we learned something else about Joseph as well, because we're told that he didn't want to disgrace Mary. He didn't want her to be shamed by society. And I think there's a great lesson there for any man that might be listening right now, never to look to shame a woman in society or full stop. Unfortunately, there's been too much of that over history. But Joseph knew that to publicly divorce Mary would have led to all kinds of shame. Because again, if we understand something of the society and the culture that Mary and Joseph were living in, people would have been looking on and they'd have come to either one of two conclusions. Either Mary and Joseph had had sex before they got married, or Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph. And so in their society, what would that have led to? It would have meant that Mary would have been publicly stoned for what had happened. And so Joseph's saying, like, I I want this just to be done quietly. And so there's something there about the kind of man that Joseph is. But what we see is that life really wasn't turning out for Joseph in the way that he thought it would. Like I said before, this relationship would have likely been arranged for a very long time. And so you can imagine Joseph had had all of these kind of hopes and dreams for what married life would be like, for what it would be like to start a family with Mary. But life doesn't always turn out the way that we hope or expect it to. And what we see is that actually God had other plans for their lives. And so let's read on. Verse 20 and 21 says this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so just, again, for a moment, just remember, like, you're Joseph right now. And the chances are the news that you've just heard from Mary has probably left you feeling devastated, confused, embarrassed, maybe hurting. You know, all the kind of emotions that would come with the situation that he found himself in. But in that place, in those emotions, what do we see? We see that God shows up. It tells us that Joseph was considering these things. And as it was, his, it was in the kind of emotions and in that place that Joseph was that we see that God shows up. He comes to him in a dream. And like that's one way to get your attention, isn't it? Is to send an angel to visit you in a dream. God was going about in this way to get Joseph's attention in what I imagine was probably like the lowest place he had been in his life. And what we see is that the angel explains everything to him. Not that it necessarily would have made any more sense. Like, I've still got questions about what went on, but God comes. And something that he said to Joseph through the angel rings true for Joseph, and we'll soon find out what that looked like. God comes to Joseph, though, in, like I said, what I imagine was surely one of the lowest times in his life. And as he comes to Joseph, he brings his assurance, but he also brings a challenge to Joseph. And the challenge is this. The challenge is to Joseph to come and be part of God's plan for salvation. But as he calls Joseph into the story of God, Joseph would be about to learn something that if you're a follower of Jesus, you will have likely learned already yourself by now, that it takes courage to follow God's plan. God has a plan for all of our lives, but it might not look like the way that we think it does. But here's what's certain is that it takes courage to follow God's plan. It would take courage for Joseph because it would mean marrying Mary. And you know, the timeline just wouldn't match up for people. People would look at this couple and think, well, hang on a minute. You're expecting a child before you've got married. The timeline wouldn't match up. It would take courage for Joseph to declare the truth that Mary's conception had come from the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people would laugh. Some would probably be outraged by that claim. People would say, that's blasphemy. You can't say that. What are you on about? And many just wouldn't believe him. There would be a reputation upon this couple, Mary and Joseph. Like I said before, either Mary's been unfaithful or they'd not followed God's law for having sex before marriage. Whatever they chose to believe about Mary and Joseph, here's what we can know to be sure. The shame brigade would have been out in full force. His decision would have led to social exclusion. Shame and rejection would have been inevitable 
And all of this, all of this would have been a result, and it was the cost of becoming the adoptive dad of the Son of God, of Jesus. For Joseph to follow God's plan, he needed courage. And this is where we see the courage and where it comes from. In verse 22 to verse 25, it says this. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. The courage for Joseph to play his part in God's plan for salvation came from God. You see, when we say that it takes courage to follow God's plan, it isn't that God has a plan for our lives, so work it out. It isn't that God has a plan for our lives, go and do it in your own strength. It's God has a plan for our lives. And he's in the the kind of, he's all about showing up in and amidst our, at times, lowest times in life. And he comes and what he says is, I am with you. You see, the promise that came to Mary and Joseph was that this child you're going to have, his name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so in Joseph's lowest place, what does God do? He shows up and he promises his presence. He promises to be with him. And it's with that courage that then Joseph could take Mary to be his wife and raise Jesus as his own son. It doesn't mean, though, that life would have necessarily still panned out as they hoped and dreamed it would. He lived in a society where one of the greatest honors and privileges for a man would be to name his child. It would be to give the name to his child. Maybe he was going to call him Joseph Jr., or JJ for short. Perhaps that was the dream. Maybe he was going to call him um, Jacob after his father or Mathen after his grandfather. I've no doubt he'd have thought about what he'd have loved to have called his first child. But, you know, naming his child, it was a, a sign of control over the situation. But what does the angel do? The angel comes, and the angel took this control away from Joseph. Another thing that didn't go to plan for Joseph. There's a, a pastor, he's, he's passed away now, his name is Tim Keller, and I like what he says about this. He says, if Jesus is in your life, you are not his manager. This child who is about to be born is your manager. Joseph had to drop any conditions that he might have had for his life, any expectations that he had in order to be a part of God's salvation story. And when it comes to following God's plan, when it comes to following Jesus, we come before him and we surrender our plans. We surrender our desires. We surrender our will. But I wonder whether you have ever said or thought something like this. I'd like to be a Christian, 
but not if it means that I can't do this anymore. Or, you know what, I'll obey God if he does this. But, you know, being part of God's story, being a follower of Jesus, it's about coming before him and saying, I'm not going to name you. I'm not going to tell you what I want from my life. God, what's your plan? What's your story for my life? But we can be assured of this. We can know this, that his story is good. His plan is good because he is good. And sometimes things in our lives, they might not go the way that we want them to go and things might come our way that feel like they're just overwhelming us, but it's not from God. That's just a result of this fallen world that we live in. God's plan is that he sent his son Jesus for us to be with us. What we can so often do is we can try to name Jesus. We can try and kind of control who we want him to be. But like with Joseph, the angel, he comes to Joseph and he says, you know, if I'm going to come into your life, you don't control me. Like God's going to lead you and he's going to guide you because he knows what's best. That's not always an easy thing, is it, to accept in our lives? Like anybody else love to kind of be in control and have control on things? I'm going to put my hand up. A few of us. The world that we live in, it, it loves to encourage us to be ourselves, be our true selves, to follow our hopes and dreams, to be who we want to be, to live a, a selfish life at times. But, you know, to follow Jesus, it, it, it's to lay down your life. And it's not easy. And Jesus himself, he said this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, we need God to be in control. We need him to name us. And I'm not speaking literally now. Because he made us. He knows who we are. He has the best plan for our lives. He knows what we were made for. And the things that he names us, the things that he calls us, the things that he speaks over our lives. I am speaking literally now, by the way. I meant about the naming us thing. But the things that he wants to speak over us and the things that he has called and planned for us. Like we can trust in him. Why? Because he's the creator of the world. And so you might be here today and thinking, life just hasn't gone the way I thought it would. And God wants to say to you, he sees you, he knows the place you're in today. And guess what? He sent his son for you, Emmanuel, God with you. He sent his son to bring you peace, to bring you comfort, whatever you're going through. Like Di was just saying before, and Kemi, as she led us in that song, like the name of Jesus, it's to be spoken over your life in place of whatever it is that you might be facing today. There's not much more, you know, that's said about Joseph after the traditional nativity story. He shows up again a little bit later when Jesus is a bit older, but after that, we don't know what happened to Joseph. Many people think he probably died young or at least died before Jesus went to the cross. We don't know. But there is one more time that we see something else happen in Joseph's life where again he receives a visit from an angel. And in this visit from an angel, the angel warns Joseph to flee from Israel 
and he tells him to go to Egypt, to cross the border, to get to safety. Why? Because Joseph and his family's lives are in danger. And so what we see is that Joseph finds himself in a marriage that he did not expect, adopting a child whom he couldn't name, and now living in a land that was not his own. His family's life was in danger. Nothing was turning out the way that he thought it would in life. But in spite of all that, he chose to follow God's will, to live out the plan that God had for his life. And I think that's because he learned this simple truth. It takes courage to follow God's plan, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Sometimes it's hard to see that it's worth it when you're in the midst, when life has been turned upside down. But Jesus' arrival into Joseph's family would literally change eternity. And Joseph got to play his part by being obedient to God, even though it would change his reputation and it would change his future. Joseph decided, because of the courage that God gave him, that it is worth it. And as I just finished today, as I was preparing this message, I just felt God just put a few things on my heart for different people who might be here today in the room or watching online. Perhaps you're feeling lost and confused because life didn't turn out how you hoped or thought it would. But you know, God is wanting to come alongside you today. And we talked about this earlier in the year, but something about who the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit wants to come alongside us. And I just believe that today, if you're in that place where life just hasn't turned out how you thought it would, and you're just in a place where you just feel troubled by that, Today, God, by his spirit, wants to come alongside you. And he wants to reveal his presence to you. And he wants to fill you with his peace. Maybe you're in a relationship today. And it costs you a lot to be in that relationship. I don't know what that would be. Maybe it costs you the respect of your parents. Or it costs you the reputation that you had. And you've been kind of in this place where you doubted whether that was right because of what it meant you had to give up. And I just really felt God was saying something to me about somebody today, and you're in that place. And God just wants to bring you some assurance today, his assurance that you did the right thing, that you did the right thing, you followed his plan. And he wants to give you courage today. Perhaps you are a parent today to someone, and for whatever reason, you didn't get to choose their name. And there, there can be many reasons for that today, but I just really felt God speak to me this week, and I felt he wanted to say to you today that he's giving you the courage to raise that child as your own because they are your own, because that is the plan that God has for you. 
And God today, he's wanting to just put courage in you today by the power of his spirit. God is showing up for you today and he wants you to know that. And then maybe just like Joseph, just like Joseph, following Jesus has led you to a different country. Actually, following Jesus in your home country is no longer safe. And that's why you find yourself here today. And that could be because of persecution, because of war, for for many different reasons. And today, just like Joseph, you find yourself in a different country, in a different culture. And I just believe today that from Joseph's story, what God is wanting to say to you today is again... He wants to fill you with courage. He wants to assure you that his plan for your life is good. He's coming today to bring you his peace and to lead you towards this truth that came to Joseph, that he's with you. He's with you. He's got you. He's behind you. He goes ahead of you today. And there's a A great verse that I'm going to finish with now in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And this was a a prophecy, a prediction about who the Savior of the world would be. And it says this, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And today, if you're in any of those situations, any of those circumstances where, you know, life just hasn't worked out how you thought it would for whatever reason that may be, just remember this, that the same Jesus that was promised to Mary and Joseph is the same Jesus who came on that first Christmas And he's the same Jesus today who we can know, who we can follow. And you know, that stuff that we carry at times in life, that pain or whatever it might be, because life didn't work out the way we thought it would be. It doesn't need to be on your shoulders today. Whose shoulders is it on? It's on his shoulders. We can give it to him. He carries it for us. He went to the cross for us. Who is he? He's our wonderful counselor. And so we can come to him today. Who is he? He's our mighty God. Who is he? He's our everlasting father. His promises, they do not end. They go on and on and on for our lives. Who is he? Today, he's the prince of peace. And in this moment right now, you can know that peace. And it will go beyond all understanding in our lives. I'm going to just invite us, if you're able, just to stand. And uh, there might be today a, a response that you feel to bring. For anyone who's a bit of a Christmas hater, the good news is we're about to sing a Christmas carol. <laughs> and this song that we're about to sing, it's just a reminder about what Christmas is all about. And as together we look throughout this kind of Advent season that's to come, the truth of Christmas is that Jesus came to bring his life for us, his peace for us. 
And so now there's going to be an opportunity. If you would like somebody to pray for you, to pray with you, you can head to that back corner of the room over there, and one of our team would love to pray with you today. Maybe today you just want to come before God and say, God, I'm sorry for the mess I've made in my life. Thank you for your life, for your hope. Thank you for the forgiveness that you bring me. And today, if you want, you can take communion over there by the Christmas tree. There's a basket there. You can take communion from there. Um, And then maybe today you just want to sing. Or you just want to let the band sing these words over you today. However you want to respond. Let's just do that together now. Thank you.